I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and everything's, everything's Coming Up Podcast. This episode is brought to you by, oh man, so many sponsors. Are you ready Ooh. for this? We are first brought to you by an oversized novelty billiard ball. <laughs> Will I pass my English test? Mm, outlook not so good. We are also brought to you by the film uh, Fuzzy Bunny's Guide to You Know What? Hosted by Troy McClure, who you may remember from Lead Paint, Delicious But Deadly, and Here Comes the Metric System. <laughs> uh, we are also brought to you by the comics Radioactive Man vs. Swamp Hag, mm -hmm. as well as girl comics like Bonnie Crane, Girl Attorney Pumpkin and Duncan, The Twinkle Twins, or Lil Knee Socks. We are also brought to you by the Good Morning Burger. We take... Uh, 18 ounces of sizzle, blah, 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 sizzling ground beef and soak it in rich, creamery butter. I copied and pasted this from the internet and it's making me stumble. Uh, <laughs> then we top it off with bacon, ham, and a fried egg. And we are lastly brought to you by St. Sebastian School for Wicked Girls. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a good one. That came in at the last Thank minute. Thank you, sponsors. Thank you, sponsors. Uh, they support us with their love and appreciation, not with their money, but, you know, maybe one day. <laughs> maybe one day. We are, of course, talking about the episode Bart's Friend Falls in Love. This is the 23rd episode of the third season. It originally premiered May 7th, 1992. It was directed by Jim Reardon, written by Jake Hogan and Wallace Wolodarski, otherwise known as Wally. And the showrunners at the time were Al Jean and Mike Rice. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's a good one. There's so much to this episode. I think that it's, um, I mean, we talk a little bit about like the episodes from season two, season three, season four. I feel like there's uh, a very distinctive style that lends itself to like really playful animation with pop culture references. And we, of course, see that at the beginning of this episode, which is a very memorable, very great Raiders of the Lost Ark reference. Totally. Mm -hmm. um, before we get too far into the episode itself, yeah. it's time to introduce our guest. We are brought uh, we are brought to you by our guest. Uh, hey, this is Jensen coming up here. I don't know how to talk. Jensen, hi. Thank you for being I, a guest. I would have let you drown. Thank <laughs> you. You would. Uh, Jensen, thank you for being our guest today. No worries. I'm happy to be here. So this is actually the first time in um, every Everything's Coming Up podcast history that you have let us choose uh, what we're talking about today. Normally, of course, the format of our show is we ask our guests to talk about their favorite episode of The Simpsons and why it's special to them. You said you'd be happy with, happy with any episode we picked. And yeah. uh, part of me wanted to try and find something that you might not be happy that like, we picked. I don't know if that... Well, I mean, later. See, I mean, uh, that, yeah, that would probably later, be the rougher. I don't think that's fair. Like, I was right. trying to think of something that, like... You know, uh, there are no bad early Simpsons episodes. They're but all But I think good. if you have me on, most people assume to pick a Millhouse episode. I just and think that's, course, that's what most people correct. do. Yeah. That's what you project into <laughs> yeah. the universe. Well, no, yeah. I assume that was what was going to happen. Yes. Yeah. I, at least with me, you knew that that was going to happen because yeah. we bond over Millhouse very yes. much. I have a Millhouse tattoo. I feel very close with What him. is your Millhouse tattoo? I have uh, on my left elbow, I have Ooh. Millhouse and Crossbones. It's beautiful. Very nice. Which, we'll was featured, which was featured in the Simpsons documentary. Oh, wow. Uh, the 20 year, right? Yeah, yes. the 20 year that Morgan Spurlock did. And so they oh had a section God. on the, the uh, on the special where they go over Simpsons tattoos and they show a bunch of them and then it shows me and he's like, why did you get Millhouse? I explain it's a character I've related to my whole life and then it cuts to Graining and he's like, 
uh, someone has a Millhouse tattoo. <laughs> a Millhouse tattoo. Why would he do that? And That's then it just like cuts wow. back to me smiling. That's, That's beautiful. Oh my god! It's like I a mean, real life goal. Th- that is your real. Yeah. Nothing else. I know. But <laughs> I it don't care feel... if you've acted in a know, P.T. In Anderson anything. movie. That's your real. I know. I could be in Gandhi, and it'd be like, remember him in Simpsons? <laughs> but like, it was. It was also a time where like Simpsons tattoos weren't that common. Right. It was still like kind of a weird. Like, oh, they like pop culture tattoos weren't everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard, I mean, I, I have a Simpsons tattoo as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've been briefed. Um, what people, do you have? People listening know. Um, I have the uh, Gummy Venus de Milo on my shoulder Great. with a banner that says Sweet, Sweet Candy. Perfect. Done up like very classic mm-hmm. um, Sailor Jerry style tattoo. Um, but yeah, I, th- I feel like pop culture tattoos, usually people think that it's like a band tattoo or something else that I feel is a little bit more locked in time. But I think that it says a lot for the fact that there are so many people with Simpsons tattoos. Yeah. That not only is like getting a Simpsons tattoo something that you you don't anticipate the Simpsons ever just like like shitting the bed and and, and being something that people look down upon. Oh, I thought you meant like out of nowhere they just like throw an N word in an episode. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because and when I was eighteen, if you would have let me get a tattoo, I one hundred percent would have got a Woody Allen tattoo. Really? Oh, like not even a question. What would have been the tattoo? Uh, the Woody face... Allen can never do anything wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the face from the, the front. Yes. Like the poster. It's not a movie he directed, but he stars in it. It's about blacklist writers, but he's, it's a poster, you know, from like everyone's college dorm sort of, oh, yeah, but yeah. he's sort of like, mm-hmm, like he sort of like has you his hands. You would have gotten that tattoo? 100%. Where on your body? I would have got it on my arm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Listen. And I'd be fucked. And the then I would have, I'd have Bill Cosby on the other one. Oh, that's what yeah. I was going to say. And we... then just Dog the Bounty Hunter in the middle. <laughs> well, I think that Hulk that's, Hogan on that's the, left. the fear when you get like pop culture or topical tattoos. Like either the band will break up or yeah. like they'll commit heinous crimes. or yeah, you Roman know, Polanski tattoo you have. Or even else. just they're not as good like Weezer. Like Weezer is what I would have gotten <laughs> for sure. Because yeah. they're my favorite band that's right. not the Beatles. And it's just right. like, oh, but then this happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like The Simpsons is such a safe space. And also, you know, we talk about this all the time. I'm not sure if you're familiar though with um, the Simpsons tattoo Instagram. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, great, yeah. it's so great. It's really good. Uh, I would have been in trouble if I saw that before I got my tattoo because well, there's so like, many options. Like I, I never would have got a Bon Jovi tattoo, but I do assume a lot of people did get a Bon Jovi tattoo, especially yeah. when you were in like New Jersey. But like then they put out that like it's my life <laughs> and like you have yeah. that tattoo. Like what right, a bummer. Right, right. Like you now have that band's <laughs> logo on your arm. But that's their best song if I'm judging by the amount of times I've heard it in <laughs> public true. places. That is true. But I have tons of pop culture tattoos. I when I have Muhammad Ali on one arm. Oh wow. And when he died, I was sort of like, Well, nothing happened. Good deal. <laughs> like yeah, oh, didn't good. come out anything <laughs> bad. And then I have um I have Waldorf and Statler. Oh, so that's great. One of my arms. And so like those to me are like those all represent different things for me and I don't like barring something crazy I'll be fine. You do yeah. have the Microsoft Office paperclip on your arm? I You've well, no, on your no, arm? No. It's just a paperclip. Oh. But I will put eyes on it if you'd like me to. I would I would love for you to. Yeah. Why did you get a paperclip on your arm? It's a long story that I wrote about once but my father passed away and left me a well I don't know if he left me I don't know what the story was but I got a call like a year later from a like a bank in Las Vegas and they were like your safe deposit box is up and I was like I've never been been to a bank in Vegas yeah and so uh they were like well it's in your name and another man's name it was my father's name and so I was like oh my god and my mom like fueled the fire and was like your dad used to put money everywhere like he was like oh, wow. like it was city slickers and curly you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? like it could be gold like it could be anything <laughs> and so I got real excited and like 
I don't know why I went alone, which is something I never should have done. Uh-huh. And I like flew down to Vegas, got a hotel room. I had to get a locksmith. I had to meet a locksmith there to blow the thing up because like I don't have a key or oh anything. Yeah. God. So like it was all this work cost me like probably eight hundred dollars the whole trip. And so they opened up and he puts it on the table and I was like, here we go, man. And he leaves the room and I open up and it's just one paper clip. No. <laughs> yeah. Wow. One paper I, clip. I read that when yeah. you did that. And it was such a, That's a beautiful story. story. Yeah, it's crazy. And I've the tattoo. It, yeah, and I've turned it into like incredible. a nice I've turned it into a nice sort of um definition about keeping it together and and not having expectations that exceed the things in which you want them to be because i had this amazing ending with my father i really didn't need it again which was uh once again proven when i got a call another year later from another safe deposit box in (laughs) canoga park and i was like not going and i just let them take it oh yeah Yeah, i didn't go oh god yeah i didn't want another paper clip (laughs) that's where the gold would have been though that's a lot of will yeah like i don't i would be forever curious i'm i'm one of those people that my curiosity would kill me Mm -hmm. i am actually a cat like it's it's insane (laughs) we just makes sense you know to everyone listening um (laughs) it's been a slow build (laughs) to revealing that you were actually a cat yes um (laughs) one thing about this episode in terms of like curiosity that is very fascinating to me is the magic eight ball i was one of those kids who was obsessed with the magic ball it was not something that i like believed in like in a way that like it dictated my life but i definitely used it in times of need mm-hmm. and i'm a kid that never had god or any kind of religion so to me it was the closest thing of just like i need this <laughs> like yeah. i need this right now i think comparing it to god or religion is like pretty accurate especially <laughs> it's for off, it's yeah. as realistic yeah. well i mean for for a young kid and and like i feel like that's their version because sure you could have been brought up in a household where you were forced to go to church but i think that you know as a kid it it becomes more of an extension of what your parents believe and so you don't find it in your own way but i feel like through a toy quote unquote a toy Mm -hmm. um like a magic eight ball i feel like it it serves the same purpose as you know uh young girls really getting into horoscopes and young boys can as well but i feel like (laughs) a lot of young girls are really into that um so jensen obviously you love millhouse i do and my spirit there, animal yes there are a lot of millhouse episodes to pick from yes. um this is one of the earliest it's one of my favorites but i want to know what is your opinion just as a general uh takeaway from this episode where does it rank well it's high for me i mean i knew when you told me which one i was like oh this is the one where he finally he finally kind of shows balls mm-hmm. yeah. which is like not a millhouse trait until a little later when he starts to, sh- to stand up for himself but before this he uh like kind of was just really the target of everything. And so he finally had some sort of gusto to have a girlfriend and, and sort of fight back a bit, although not fully. <laughs> um, but he does have an opinion in this one. And I thought that was kind of like, it's a nice step for him, although not common afterwards. Yeah. It's so bold for him too to just be like macking with a girl <laughs> with like any buildup. Like, and the way that it's revealed is really great in the episode too, which we'll get to. But, but yeah, I feel like Millhouse is being like, pretty assertive and pretty bold and it's really great to see um oh and it has one of my favorite lines ever in it i wish we were going to end up like romeo and juliet but without the tragedy exactly we started out like romeo and juliet but it ended in tragedy Tragedy, yeah Yeah, yeah. um this episode is very funny uh by the name alone it shows you what (laughs) the simpsons feels about millhouse you know uh on the podcast if you're listening um to the previous episodes i love referring to homer as bart's dad i like (laughs) referring to millhouse as bart's friend yeah it's only one baby (laughs) so before we get too deep into the episode itself um we always like to read the summary for people that haven't um watched this episode in a while just to catch you up so in this episode (laughs) bart's friend mm-hmm. bart's best friend <laughs> millhouse falls in love with the new girl in school samantha stanky but it's not 
pronounced that way, is it? Or it's stanky, it's but stanky, but right? Principal Skinner accidentally says stinky, stinky. and gotcha. then he was like, "Bye." Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> I feel for like you. stanky is is still pretty bad. Yeah. Today, so. stanky's bad, but I think back then it was. Gotcha. You know, there was no stanky leg yet. Gotcha. In our hearts. In our, In our hearts. hearts. So Wait, who was Kimmy Robertson? Uh, I think she was just an actress. Oh, she really? she voiced Samantha, yeah. but yeah. I, I don't recall her from anything else. Uh, it's a been. great popular girl's name. Yeah, yeah. It really. Any is. day now, that would be anyone. They would use Miley Cyrus. I know. They didn't I use know. anyone at this point. And yeah. later, I think, I, yeah, I just recall like Lisa Kudrow yeah. being in like Drew Barrymore. And she's uh, she's in Twin Peaks. It's the girl. <gasps> it's it's um, what the. What is her character's name? She's the receptionist. Oh, What's her name? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, gosh, not Donna, it. but... Or Come on. It's not Diane, she's of the police. She's the police station receptionist. Yeah, I'm looking at it right so now. So that's that's the actress so that voiced... Samantha Lucy. Stinky. She's Lucy, Lucy in Twin Peaks. That's great. And of course, she's the one that sets out all the donuts. It's true. Yeah. And of course, we, we know this from uh, talking to Josh about you know how much The Simpsons loved Twin Peaks, but like Twin Peaks was such a big influence for them. And, you know, 90s, like I didn't think about it because I was not old enough to be watching Twin Peaks, obviously, when this was out. Neither were you, Julia. But like... I was. You were. Okay. And so you know that... <laughs> They were both huge shows at the huge, time. Yeah. I don't even imagine them happening at the same time because yeah, one's a cartoon a and one's a very scary show. There's yeah. a lot of Twin Peaks references that we see on The Simpsons. Totally. Um, oh, what a like good Like Homer watching Twin Peaks and it's just like... <laughs> the horse dancing yeah. with a streetlight. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> oh, so um, let me just finish this up real quick. Um, so uh, Milhouse falls in love with the new girl in school, Samantha Stanky. Milhouse and Samantha spend all their free time together, leaving Bart feeling jealous and excluded. In order to ruin their relationship, Bart tells Samantha's strict father about it. As a punishment, Samantha is sent to an all-girls Catholic school, while Milhouse is left behind heartbroken. Meanwhile, Homer orders a subliminal cassette tape, <laughs> I love this B story, to help him lose weight, but is accidentally sent one that helps him increase his vocabulary after the weight loss tapes sell out. Beautiful. Anything to add? I feel like that covers it. Except Lisa uh, employs herself as being his helper in helping him lose weight, and then yeah. is dismayed when she discovers that it's uh, the wrong tapes. I uh, I love the image of like you know Lisa's has this like um, this fantasy of what it's going to look like at her father's funeral, and I love just like Big Maggie. <laughs> There's <laughs> like a lot of fantasy <laughs> moments in this episode. They're like season three. Five. Season what? three is chock full of that. What we now kind of see as like a Family Guy type of like uh, cutaway that obviously The Simpsons kind of invented. But um, there's so many of them, and they're so like they're so what how like little kids dream. Like it's a right. very like they couldn't I possibly. I hate it when I hate future Simpsons when they're all done. F- like um like when Bart is the surfer guy or whatever in Millhouse. Like the later what right. which episode's that? That's not even that's even beyond that's, my no, normal. It, it's in there. There's one where you see them in the future and the way everything goes down and mm-hmm. and uh, Millhouse, Millhouse ends like up with Lisa at one point. Yeah. And so there's like a bunch of like alternate timeline stuff that happens later. And uh, I hate it because it gives they become like adults, right? But I right. like that version because it's just their faces on larger bodies. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's it's like um, did you ever watch or know about uh, Rugrats all I grown about that. up? No, I don't know. What that <laughs> is. All grown up. All grown up. What is that? Um, it was a series that came out in the early aughts where it was like Rugrats characters, but they're teenage years. Yeah, they're tweens. You know what everyone was clamoring for at but the time. But did they, did they look the same? I want to see the babies, but sexy. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like their faces, but it, it, everything was aged up. So it wasn't so like uh, copy and paste. Like it's like the, ba- like the same babies, but they're in like Urban Outfitters. Yes, stuff. exactly. Yeah. And it's so creepy because like... I just hate the idea of like 
you'd still be hanging out with people that you knew as babies. Like, yeah. I hate I that. I know. That's yeah. so weird. You would, on it, like, any normal kid would be like, yeah, no, I don't talk to them anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like that would have been... Well, I'm rare. I'm friends with all my friends when I was a baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's something that is really great about this episode and why one of the reasons I love it so much is it tackles kind of that fear of, like, looking into your future and realizing that maybe you won't be friends with the person that you consider your best friend right now. And that's a big... Yeah. It's a really big thought to have when you're 10 years old mm-hmm. um and you know they have the magic eight ball which we know is true based on nelson where he's just like am i gonna be- get beat up today he's like wow that that, that could see everything and then he you know punches him. him yeah but um it, it's sad like you know at this time bart is still a bad boy which we kind of get a sense of at the beginning of this scene which by the way i love that they just use the straight up music from raiders i yeah. know like, i know well yeah i want i wanted to touch upon that a little bit um there are there are a lot of things that are in this episode especially in the first act um so first off of what you were just saying with like you know being worried that you're not gonna be best friends with your childhood best friend i think that I mean, that's a very real fear, and it, and it's actually something that I think that a lot of people don't really consciously anticipate. I think that they just assume that everything's going to be hunky-dory forever. I think you're supposed to, like, in terms of just survival mode. Absolutely. Like, I'm still like, best friends with my childhood friend. Are, are you, you really? really? I am, yeah. Chris. That's awesome. Yeah, from uh, Mommy and Me. Are you the Millhouse or the Bart? I am. Clearly, he <laughs> looks just like kidding. Bart. Yeah, he <laughs> looks like really? Bart and really? I look like Millhouse. Our that's personalities great. aren't that way, but physically we, might, we very much yeah. look like Bart and Millhouse, yeah. I, I mean, I, I certainly have friends that uh, I cherish because um, I've known them for a really long time, but they're also those kind of friends where I- the bond is so strong that it doesn't matter how long it's been since you last saw them like that the you same. just sort of pick up. Yeah. yeah. But I don't believe I have any friends like that from elementary school or middle school uh, closest is high school. But I think that just like the case of drifting apart from your best friend as a kid yeah, going into like a teenagehood, yeah. it's, it's one of the biggest, most painful growing pains of becoming an adult and, and you go to different colleges yeah and different it's places. really hard it's rough. so i love that this episode taps into that and that's part of the setup but i also wanted to talk about the opening with raiders and how like that's really indicative of you know not just like bart and what he would be into as a kid i feel like raiders of the lost ark is like particularly tasty for like the kid viewers watching this at home and in, in when it originally premiered in the 90s um something that they would probably really really enjoy um but i love that the way that they do it with the parody of like homer starting off as being like the big ball <laughs> like the stand for the big ball rolling toward um bart and then i love bart uh like you know, going underneath the garage door as it's closing, getting his hat at the last minute, and then uh, Homer slamming into the garage um, like the boulder, and then and then he turns into like one of the villagers, you know, <laughs> just like screaming nonsense as Bart is uh, standing on the school bus as it uh, drives away with his hat like you know flowing in the wind. It's just like it's the beautiful. way that it's animated is really beautiful. The, and yeah, there's yeah. an argument that I've made before that The Simpsons are is the the first show that made you want to know who the writers were yeah yeah so like it was like uh obviously like conan and there's there's bigger names but then even like just like that you know the showrunners and you know whose era it was and you know like i didn't really remember hearing that before right. the simpsons like you knew who norman lear was and you knew who sherwood schwartz was and you knew who some people were but like staff you didn't know like yeah, writing staff. i think you're right and so the, that epi- like this episode at least the intro is like one of those things that i think does that i think you could feel the room in a weird way more than any other sitcom where you're like oh they really like doing that and like i think that kind of like excitement is why we know all the simpsons writers yeah. like monorail clearly being right. like the main example but 
they were able to somehow get the audience to know like the writer's room jokes are in this one. Yeah, I think that like their excitement for this show and the characters and the stories is really palpable. And it's something that I think at the time with a lot of other sitcoms, not to disparage them, but I feel like there wasn't that kind of giddy excitement toward the material. I think maybe for a lot of other sitcoms, it was looked as um, not entirely just a job, but more yeah. of just and, a job. And what, what we can get on, like, let's get, we know what we can get on the air. Let's do it. Right. This exactly. wasn't that. This was like, pu- they were trying to push new things. And I, I could see like that the Indiana Jones opening would be a very like, and we did something new this week. They start with the Raiders, you know. There are all these little tasty like. things. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, the couch gag is something that is yeah. so fun and refillable. Like, yeah, we did this couch gag this week or the si- sign gags or whatever Bart is writing on the chalkboard. There's so many opportunities for them to really explore new jokes and to like diversify their episodes yeah. that, yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's the, the lead of the comedy writer is a star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I definitely think that the, the writer should be as well known as the voice actors. Like it's kind of insane that it's not. I mean, I know people that are in the comedy scene. know. But, like, people yeah. outside of the comedy world or entertainment business world don't know who any of these guys are, which is infuriating. And I think that's it's continued a little bit, too, just in general. I, I know that, like, us living in L.A. and working in entertainment, like, we're in this little vacuum of knowing, you know, deadline headlines and, like, other things like that, you know. Um, uh, I was really into the TV show Smash on NBC, and I remember... <laughs> Did you have a Smash podcast? Uh, n- no, but I was part of a, um, a secret Facebook group called Smash Mouths, where we would talk about uh, <laughs> Smash the episode... Mouth? Smash Mouths. Because there were more it's of great. us. Uh, it's great. And uh, you know what? That group, it was started by Tess Barker, uh, mm-hmm. who's a very funny comedian, um, but it really opened my eyes to how many other female comedians uh, that I know that are also show tunes nerds. But anyway. Um, but why it, did you like Smash and not like Glee? Um, I enjoyed Glee, but there was something about Smash that was like, it, it, I mean, what I was actually going to say is, is so for the first season, it was batshit crazy because the showrunner slash creator was kind of batshit crazy and kind of just like going for a thing like they they went to ridiculous uh, heights with a lot of their stories that just made us all go like, wait, what? There's mm-hmm. like this weird, you know, it was very soapy in okay. like the certain stories that they would explore and they would set up these big dramatic stories and then just promptly forget about them right. and right. then move on. Right. <laughs> and it, that was great. something that it was great entertainment. Um, and so we all loved it for like this, you know, we, the spectacle that we yeah, were tuning camp. into. Yeah. yeah. Every week. And then the showrunners changed uh, from season one to season two, and it was like a clear yeah, departure. The network was like, we have to stop doing exactly. this. Exactly. <laughs> They're like, we need to put somebody in this position that we can control a little bit more. Yeah, this is crazy. So, I mean, that was something that like really resonated with our small, small, small community, but I doubt anybody else noticed Smash the difference melts. or would know like what uh, makes like or, or what difference it makes when a showrunner is changed between season one and season yeah. two well my, my favorite show is it's weird because like ryan johnson did the two great episodes of breaking bad mm-hmm. or six feet under like now you see something like trans i think isn't jill soloway was on yeah. six feet under yeah. so like you like i feel like even if you just do the minimal amount of of research you'll notice that some of your other favorite shows had writers that went on to do new favorite shows yeah but i don't know if people do that yeah no i, I don't think that people pay as much attention as maybe we do but you know, then I think it's also like 
kind of asked of us a little bit more if we want to be writers or directors or working in television to pay attention to, oh, yeah, like Vince Gilligan and Jill right. Soloway and like all these people that are really influential. Um, to bring it back to like a, a character that kind of you will see in different episodes that it's always very exciting to be like, he's in this one. Uh-huh. Uh, we get the amazing Troy McClure segments in this. Yes. This is one of the coolest and funniest segments. And like a lot of Simpsons episodes, if you haven't seen them in a while, you kind of forget where each joke comes from. And it's always just like, it's from this one. Like, I couldn't have guessed that that's where this came from. And it's so good. And it's so... Like it, it's impossible to not think of your own childhood when you're like being taught about sex ed and how <laughs> you're just so disgusted by it. I mean, it, at least I was. I was like, you know, all of the kids in the classroom when the you know the fuzzy bunnies go home together, like on their honeymoon. I just, Ugh, I know, she's faking it. Mrs. <laughs> is so surly. Did you see that not video? The, not the actual bunnies. Oh, I was like, what? Did you see a video <laughs> I didn't see? No, but there was. Did. When you did sex ed in high school, did they show you that birthing video? Yes. Yep. Oh, boy. Yeah, they showed also, oh they showed boy. a video where um, it was, you know, just for the girls. And it was just kind of like, uh, you know, here's the girl. Here's what she's going to go through. That girl's name was Allison. And oh, that's why bummer. I'm Allie now. Oh, that's <laughs> a real bummer. <laughs> she's like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah don't, don't need this. Class, in order to explain why your hormones will soon make you an easy target for every smooth-talking Lothario with his own car and tight jeans, I will now show a short sex education film. Ezekiel and Ishmael, in accordance with your parents' wishes, you may step out into the hall and pray for our souls. Hello, I'm actor Troy McClure. You kids might remember me from such educational films as Lead Paint, Delicious But Deadly, and Here Comes the Metric System. I'm here to provide the facts about sex in a frank and straightforward manner. And now here's Fuzzy Bunny's Guide to You Know What. This is Fuzzy Bunny. About a year ago, he noticed his voice was changing. He had terrible acne and had fur where there was no fur before. He also noticed Fluffy Bunny. Boring. Fluffy and Fuzzy went to the park, the ice cream social, the boat show, and various other wholesome activities. And they never ruined their fun by giving in to their throbbing biological urges. Then came the big day. Fluffy and Fuzzy got married. That night came the honeymoon. The most satisfying part of the night was knowing that they waited. Nine months later, Fluffy gave birth to 14 beautiful bunnies. Eight survive. And now that you know how it's done, don't do it. Any questions? Mrs. Krabappel? How come you don't live with Mr. Krabappel? Because Mr. Krabappel chased something small and fluffy down a rabbit hole. How do we know when we fall in love? Oh, don't you worry. Most of you will never fall in love and marry out of fear of dying alone. <laughs> How would I go about creating a half-man, half-monkey type creature? I'm sorry, that would be playing God. God schmod, I want my monkey man. Um, but I also love that uh, the bunny in this is so 70s. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, and obviously. It, with his afro and his bell bottom. Totally. And it's such a it's such a Matt Groening character, of course. Yeah. Isn't there a life as hell 
sneak in in this one? It seems Pretty like it. I mean, that's the, bunnies, that's it the bunny itself yeah. just looks exactly. But I think at the beginning, if I forget, doesn't at the way beginning, it, don't they pass a slipper? Oh my God, great and, point. And the slipper is the life is yes, all over, right? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Those see? are the tiny things that like you have to watch a few times or you have to already have your lenses on for that yeah. type of thing. Yeah. One of my favorite jokes in this, um, the Troy McClure 70s uh, video is, um, and then, uh, what is her name? Fluffy Bunny or Fuzzy Bunny? Whatever. Whichever Fluffy. The, the girl one is. Gave birth to 14 beautiful <laughs> bunnies. <laughs> Eight survived. Yeah. <laughs> it's and okay. Now that you know it, don't do it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I think it, if it's not Martin, it, it's a kid like Martin asks, uh, Mrs. Gr- Mrs. Krabappel, how come you don't live with Mr. Krabappel? And she says, because oh, Mr. Krabappel right. chased something fluffy down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of like kind of surly adult moments in this. And we see that a little bit with um, Principal Skinner when the new girl comes in. I love He keeps that. referencing Nam I and it's great. I can love it. We get Vietnam Skinner in these seasons. Yeah. Do you, I mean, what are your feelings of the evolution of Skinner? Because he yeah, starts out. Yeah, well, I watched out. it and was sort of like, oh, I forgot he was yeah. even like that. Because be- he becomes yeah. such a mama's boy later comes a little pushover. yeah it was weird it's almost it, it's a strange transition they were pushing so hard for vietnam vet skinner yeah. in these early seasons yeah. so hard like that was mean, his it comes only up joke later game. it comes up later when like that guy shows up who's Armin Tansier, skinner yeah. Yeah. we're never supposed <laughs> to remember uh mm. but like those kind of things they bring it up but he's never he's never like the war or the pow again really right i think it goes away like a season or two later yeah yeah, yeah. it's they kind of just like skirt it under the rug yeah. a little <laughs> bit and just keep playing that mama's boy beat which works so well yeah i love i love uh, an awkward pairing of adult and child i think there's nothing oh, quite yeah. as funny and they do it in such a great way on the have show. we said no we haven't said it's recess everywhere but it's hard it's so the colors get. are beautiful too yeah. it's just that purple sky so sad it's beautiful and um something that i think is really interesting about the dynamic between bart and milhouse in this episode is you know Bart's cooler. Like, he's, you know, we find out later, like, I'm a nerd. So am I. Like, they're both kind of dorks. They're both pudgy little kids. They're, you know, they're not. Pudgy little fat boy. Pudgy little (laughs) fat boy. But um, it's kind of, it was an interesting choice to have Milhouse be the person that's interested in women first. And that's also something that happens when you're a kid that's kind of hard is, like, you're not always going to be on the same pace as the kids around you when it comes to finding other people the other gender or the same gender like a, attractive and it's like Bart is grossed out at the idea of kissing when he mm-hmm. holds up the comic book he's just like want to see something gross and then of course is terrified to yeah. see them kissing we had a kid kissing. in our high school I remember this vividly he was a friend of mine who was on the baseball team with me and girls never paid attention to that guy like, not that he was ugly or anything but yeah. like we were, he was just like a jock on our baseball team and then one of the hottest girls in school was like this that guy's kind of cute and then it all changed for him wow really and like he went through his entire like whole transformation she dated him and like hooked up with him for like maybe three days but it was i mean maybe paid for it in a camp by me love way but it really but it really did change his entire scope at the school that's amazing yeah it it, it makes sense there would always if a girl that that, like a pretty girl says something it wouldn't matter if it's millhouse or bart or whoever but i mean obviously it makes better tv for it to be millhouse yeah of course well that brings me to i was gonna go around and uh you guys, do you were you the Millhouse or the Bart when you were growing up in this situation, or did I've you have that experience? Always had crushes on everybody all the time. I've <laughs> there's not been a moment in my life where I wasn't in love with somebody. Yeah, but out when you were around that age, did you find yourself? I wasn't getting fingered young. <laughs> well, that's, that's a that's pull. what I was. That's a pull for. quote. That, that was that was uh, that's a pull quote. Thanks, thanks for that. 
Well, <laughs> well, I just know that like other kids were getting fingered, and I was like, "What? That sounds we, horrible." I think we just found your eye caramba. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, I feel like I was a little bit of a late bloomer as well with it. Yeah, um, but I was definitely like so like moony over like just every guy that oh i thought you meant moony like the cult i thought you were like (laughs) i grew up in the moonies (laughs) i was was just like uh, my my eyes were sparkling for literally every boy oh Uh, yeah just a ton of unrequited love and oh my experience in middle school was um i had a my best guy friend i had the biggest crush on and he literally dated everybody else but <laughs> me like seriously he dated l- literally like everyone lunch lady, yeah. <laughs> everyone it was it Janitor. was pretty incredible yeah i always liked i always and still kind of do i've always liked liking the person you're not supposed to like either because you know the the hot taboo way or just like ooh, he's the fat kid <laughs> like <laughs> i love him <laughs> and like yeah it was exciting for me to be like no one else likes him therefore he will love I, me <laughs> i shot for those guys too especially if it was like a boy band dynamic oh I'd my god like joey fatone <laughs> that's why girls <laughs> like george yeah, because he's the quiet one. Mm-hmm. All smart girls that I'm friends with like George best, at least for a long time of their life, mm-hmm. if not currently. That is my theory. Cool girls like George. Anyway, you know about George went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, what about you, sense. Jensen? Were you the Millhouse or the I mean, Bart? Yeah, I was clearly yeah. the Millhouse. I mean, I I feel like but now I. You're a ladies' man. Well, well, Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> Finger McGee over there. Uh, no, I I feel like. Uh, my whole, life, my whole life, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my whole life, I was Millhouse, and then senior year, I lost a bunch of weight and and took Accutane, and that was when I started to understand um, sort of girl stuff. That love is superficial. Yeah, that <laughs> nothing means anything. And we all uh, marry because out of fear of dying alone. Yeah, and because of an a specific age, we've been told to fall in love with that person. Yep. Yeah. No. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. I, I. I think. Yeah. I think Millhouse has had his time too. Like I've sort yeah. of argued that like. When I was in seventh grade and was Millhousey, like it's different than when Seth Rogen and a bunch of dudes made movies totally. to make us more attractive. Right. So right, like right. I'm just the lucky co- like people. I'm a hip hop nerd that you know uh, looks it looks like everyone who's ever taken a UCB class. So <laughs> it, it's I'm I'm lucky in that sense that that's like less Millhousey. But at my core, I mm-hmm. still love Lisa until she dies. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. I'm still that person. Right. So, right. Yeah. And I love that story beat uh, that they play, especially in um, uh, Lisa's wedding, when there's that one interaction between Lisa and Marge, and she Lisa mentions like well, that she's a little hesitant in wearing white on her wedding day, mm-hmm. you know, because Millhouse. <laughs> and Marge promptly says, "Oh, that doesn't count," yeah. That's which so feels good. like an interaction I would have with my mom. <laughs> I remember telling my mom that I was rejected by an improviser, and she went. Ah! Like laughed really <laughs> hard. It was uh, pretty great. It was. I was in one week. I was rejected. I I was feeling pretty bold this week. Uh, I asked out two different gentlemen, and one was a juggler, and the other was an improviser. And my mom laughed for a full five minutes at my uh, pain. That's she a rough week. Real hard. Yeah, it was a really rough. I week. I guess lately I have been more and more. Uh, like I'm more and more fascinated by this kind of talk amongst women. Oh, because I I have no idea what goes on, and okay. I'm th- I'm 36, uh-huh. and uh, I clearly have no idea what you're talking about. Like <laughs> even when you were like, oh, like the people that did it, I did I liked people no one liked, and I'm like, oh. no one did that. Like I don't, right. all of it's new to me. Uh, I feel like uh, I feel I, like because I also grew up 
with no brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And then my mother um, is like a, a grade A coddler. <laughs> so like <laughs> I'm the greatest thing that's ever existed right, ever. Right. <laughs> um, and so like I don't. I my don't, mom thinks I'm cool. Yeah, yeah. she <laughs> definitely does. Uh, so like I, when I hear you talk about that, I'm like this either. I think you're either doing a bit. No. Nope. Which is in the back it's of my mind. So real. I'm thinking it might be a bit. <laughs> and then I go, hey, maybe it's not a bit. And then I go, can't understand it though. Yeah. Well, I, I could break it down very briefly. So yeah. when young girls are insecure about who they are in society and how they look, they tend to go for, quote, more attainable gentlemen. Hell yeah. Who end up being the better suitors in the end because they are not as sought out by other people and so they don't They're have grateful this to have you. Ego. But I have a question, but don't you, oh man, I have so many questions. Yes, please. But like, don't you, but does like, like the six pack man or whatever, like the, the gym man, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that you would like him if not for this process? I think it's impossible to to separate all of the years of our youth and everything that we've ever been taught about men and women for me to ever even consider ever wanting to be with someone that was like that. But that's, Mm. that's me. Well, I think from my teenage perspective, not to like, not to shame people that uh, take an interest in fitness, but I think that at a young age, teenage twenties, whatever, if, if the six pack man were to be like, hello, I'd be like, we probably don't have anything in common because yeah. a sure. lot of your free time is spent perfecting That's your body. That's always been body. my thing too. It's always okay. just like, mm-hmm. if you have time to work out and do these things, you're probably not watching movies and doing the things that I could offer you anyway. Right. <laughs> I, I prefer an indoor kid. Thank you so much. I like twinks. <laughs> <laughs> Let it be Another known. Another pull quote. You're, you're laying down a lot uh, of facts By the way, about you guys better pull, I like twinks. <laughs> yes. And then you also better pull, I just wasn't getting We're going to make a trailer ever. for this episode. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. We've never done it before, but we will now. I, I like twinks. I wasn't fingered young. I do think that um, who Milhouse grows up to be is 100% the man I marry. Yeah. Like, to be honest. Like, I love Milhouse. I, as a kid, didn't find him, like, you know, cute. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think there were any characters that I thought were cute on The Simpsons, really. Yeah. Until Mr. Bergstrom, because I Uh always liked the, you know, an adult man. Um, But... um, I do definitely know, like, the the people that I have as my boyfriend versus, like, who I hook up with are, the boyfriends I have are always milhouse in some way. Like, they're what are good. The men, what are the men that you hook up with? All over the place. Oh, not they run the gamut. Not no, Bart's. Bart for sure. Right. Bart for sure. Otto. Mo Burns. <laughs> not you've, Burns. You've hooked up with all these people. Yeah, pretty you've, much. You haven't hooked up with a Burns. Someone is old almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And is powerful. Just find yourself uh, I can't William Randolph with Rupert Percy. Murdoch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, I was going to ask, like, what about Milhouse as an adult or personified uh, as a human boy do you find attractive? Easy. The people this that... This is making me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I am clearly the closest thing you guys <laughs> know why. to the physical look of Milhouse. <laughs> Have you had someone on the show who looks more like Milhouse than I me? Can't say, no. I can't say. No. But it's, it's, you know, one, glasses, good hair. That's an obvious. Glasses and <laughs> yeah. good hair, you gotta have. But, you know, the the bigger thing, and this is true for men and women, this isn't even like a type thing, this is a personality thing, and many people share this belief, is that if you didn't go through an ugly or weird or nerdy phase in your life, you're probably not a very interesting and smart and funny and strong put-together person, because you never really had to overcome the same things. Mm. Mm-hmm. Some rich, beautiful people, I'm sure, are great. I just don't happen to know any of you. <laughs> Man, <laughs> you're laying down I mean, the not hammer. The good-looking, not so much, but I know very funny, rich people. Rich? Kind of. By itself, absolutely fine. Right. 
I didn't say porn. I'm always shocked by it, though. I'm always shocked by it. Are you referring to Kanye West? No, no, (laughs) no. I I, I feel like everyone knows Nick Kroll was raised with money, and Nick Kroll's one of the funniest people in the entire world. Oh, and he's super nice. My mom taught me. He would never know. Mm -hmm. My mom taught me to hate rich people because, like, she's just clearly so bitter against it. And so a lot of my, like, young life has been trying to unlearn the idea that, like, oh, yeah, rich people are good for nothing and yeah. it's just like it's this, it's as hateful as poor people are as good for nothing you know what i mean yeah but i think that that belief i mean and forgive me for for speaking for you but i i feel like it's not as strong and steadfast it's sort of like open to being proven wrong like it's not like you're taking this really strong stance of like i hate all one percenters right but it's it's just like it, it it's a easy math problem to form of like well you probably didn't um you know have more as, as many character building moments in your life as overcoming adversity etc etc but totally. you could be surprised and i f- i feel like again may i speak for you, you you're open to being surprised totally the same is true with people that don't like the simpsons like i doubt that i would ever like you but there is a possibility that yeah you <laughs> could hate the simpsons you, you and may I'll like not you. be able to hear it but ali is rolling her eyes <laughs> and air quotes and rolling her eyes uh, i watched i hate watch a lot of stuff which is really a problem about me but um i hate watched and didn't hate it well, that's how it always is, right? <laughs> I, it, right. Absolutely. That's why I, you continue watching. I hate watched, then just watched uh, the Steve Aoki documentary. <laughs> Me too. Oh. I did the exact same thing. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and you recommend it? Well, <laughs> yes, because I, that's the way I watch television. Yeah, so if you love watching bad television, I also recommend watching the Rave movie that's on Ooh, Netflix right now. I watched that. Oh, I, watched it back to I back. can't read the Steve Aoki, uh, <laughs> the title of his documentary without like a shitty accent of, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. Right? Is that what it's called? So yeah. to anyone uh, listening that doesn't know who Steve Aoki is, he's the very, very, very famous DJ who throws a cake in your face. Yeah. Uh, he's also, as you learned from- I didn't know that about him. As you learned from the documentary, if you didn't already know, which I did not know, oh, his you know? dad. Oh, I didn't, yeah. Um, He's his the heir to the Benihana throne. Yeah. I did know so that. I because somehow did his not know that. sister was an actress in Devin the Fast Aoki. and the Furious yeah. movies, <laughs> which I've recently watched all of. Oh, my God. With they're a so group of good. Friends. Yeah. Uh, every week it was our ritual. And now we're looking for a new one. Well, you got one so. coming out soon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know. That's what we're amping up to. But I did realize that I don't know. I mean, I grew up with a Steve. I grew up in LA, so I saw Steve come and go everywhere Mm -hmm. and it was always just like what is he doing (laughs) uh never understood it but i will say it seems if you go by what the the movie says it seems and i'm not just saying like uh, propaganda ish it seems his dad never gave him money yeah and so it is and also he has a very complicated relationship with his father and i still don't necessarily know what he's doing on stage i think he's just pressing buttons and then throwing his arms in the air right and i i don't think he really claims to do anything else which is even more crazy yeah uh but like good for him i guess because it doesn't seem like he was given any money Mm -hmm. i just don't like what he's doing totally for sure i yeah i and i think that i mean what more could you ask for for the modern american dream of of, (laughs) of, it's not even about like having a great invention or a great idea to start a business it's yeah. Right now, to in order to achieve your dreams, it's about like creating this persona and and crafting a brand. Yeah, for Steve yourself, Aoki, man. And yeah, and his dad was like this great. I mean, you should. Now it's I'm just great. promoting this movie. I want to watch a documentary about his dad. It's kind of it's, it, is, it, it is mostly. It is a bit. Is it really? Yeah, his dad was like created Benihana, wanted to make a spectacle feeling of a restaurant. Uh-huh. Came, brought it over from uh, from Japan and wanted to sort of do something that was sh- like showy. And yeah. so that's how that whole teppanyaki table idea came up and all these things. And then also he got really into like basically pushing his life 
to the literal limit. So he would do like speedboat racing. Wow. Things that are like shocking. It's insane. So, like cool. his dad was like a shocking daredevil with no like um, cords or anything. He was like a yeah. maniac. Cool. Yeah. And so, no connection to his son. <laughs> I have a question oh, wow. about money. Yes. And uh, we see Martin Prince in this episode. Uh-huh. It's the one of the episodes where he's got a loot. He is full Martin. Yeah. Full do Martin. we think that Martin comes from money? Or do we think that he's a lower middle class boy? Where do we think I his think family comes from? Money. I, we, I think he comes from money. I think Oysters. Do we see and that he has a very rich family? He's got a nice Because he's house. got the pool. He, I mean, yeah, and I and the fact that he's able to just like go from zero to nice pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think that his yeah, parents have a couple bucks. Yeah, he's always known as the rich one. Yeah. It's it's so funny how like rich kids can have more of a privilege of being the nerd because like at least they'll always have money. Yeah. yeah. And kids will pretend to like that kid, and as we see in the pool episode, mm-hmm. where it's just like, yeah, but we're friends with them right now. Martin reminds me so much of a kid who I don't even know if he was like fully rich, but he always had really nice snacks. <laughs> so I assumed like seaweed, n- n- just like the premium snacks. Like we were all eating off brand Oreos and he was eating like the actual brand. He had a big bag and he kind of looked like Martin. His name was Lance. Oh, well, um, that's all you need to know. Yeah. And and uh, I think he lived with his grandma who, again, like he could have either been rich or just like really coddled. But well, I, I grew up in yeah. a rich area. I, mm-hmm. I grew up in I grew up in Woodland Hills, but that's next to Calabasas, which right. now everyone knows is very rich. Mm-hmm. But at one time, it was sort of like a secret rich area. <laughs> and so, uh, in our area, I don't I, I know I don't know. Maybe it's like the way that I talk about like I didn't think there was coke in my high school. Then years later, everyone was like, no, everyone was on coke. Right, right. But I never saw it or did it, so I was like, oh, I didn't know. But I feel that way about rich kids in my school. I don't think that they like like touted it. Right, right. I think they all had nice cars and stuff, but I don't think anyone was ever like, I'm going to get the dopest shit. Like, I don't, yeah. like, I didn't, I didn't see that in my school. Besides this one kid, Lance, and a couple kids, um, I think that, yeah, I, I don't recall, and again with the drugs too, like, I don't recall there being drugs, and of course, I've since learned that uh, a lot of shit was going on, or rich kids. But then again, I also went to an arts high school, so it could have been obscured by them playing up this, like, you know, starving artist persona. Right. Yeah. Um, so to bring it back to the episode, I wanted to talk about um, kind of the dynamic between Milhouse and uh, his crush. Just yes. because it's very young love. It's very, you know, he compliments her dress and she's like, I hate my dress. My dad makes me wear it. It's like, then I hate it too. Yeah. It's yeah. like very good and accurate, even to this day, kind of what we do when uh-huh. we like people. Um, at least that's what those of us do who don't have strong senses of themselves at all times. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and I think especially for this age group, it's like, how could you possibly have a strong sense of self? Even Bart has his, you know, uh, misgivings of, you know, his own identity. Totally. Um, another thing that I love, in addition to Millhouse being kind of like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do what you want to do type thing, is that, like, just the, the fact that he's, he's with somebody at all is very, very triumphant as someone yeah. who loves him, um, especially when he pined so hard for Lisa. And I think it was good that Lisa has nothing to do with this episode at all. Because mm-hmm. you could have been like, you know, maybe Lisa's jealous, th- even though, you know, she doesn't like him back. Like the fact that he's right. moved on, which you kind of see in the episode um, where Phoebe comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, I love I love her look a lot. She's me got too. braces and that <laughs> leads to the great line later when he goes to visit her. He's like, even the bars remind me of her braces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cute. Yeah, young love is so precious. I mean, it's just so simple. 
And I, I love how it's um, conveyed in this episode because it, I feel like they get a lot of these kid moments so dead on. And that could be a testament to some of the writers being, you know, young parents themselves or just being really in touch with that part of their uh, history and personality. But I feel like they always treat them with respect and don't, you know, talk down to the kids' storylines because it's a show that's just as much about the kids as it is about the adults. In a lot of ways, I think it could be more kid-leaning because there are so many untrustworthy adults who don't know what the hell they're doing <laughs> namely you know uh chief wiggum and uh and mo and and, and the other, mayor and the mayor and the yeah. thing too is like I, like this is pre-focus change really like bat you mm-hmm. know when it became like homer show um and this is still when bart was like a skateboard and merch selling cool kid yeah like so i think like that I feel like it's the, it's the last bit of that before yeah. season four. Yeah, before it flips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, something that is also an important theme, in addition to friends falling out um, and you know young love, um, is just the fact that like sometimes your friends get into relationships and then they kind of like disappear, and that's something that like I wouldn't have really known would happen unless it was for this episode. And I remember this happening to me like when I was young, like a girl had a crush and like for the first time of, uh, that I'd even heard of, the crush reciprocated feelings. It was like, oh, what? I didn't know that allowed? that was a part of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought yeah. we just were supposed to be obsessed. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and and we continued to. <laughs> <laughs> that is part of our job. And then, and then yeah, I remember I would ask, and like, are we going to go hang out and like, you know, do whatever kids do? And no. <laughs> yeah. Going over to his house. And was like, oh man, that sucks. And mm-hmm. But it, I remember thinking, just like, just like Millhouse. Right. Cuz at the time, like at the time by the way, like as a kid, Millhouse was a loser. Lisa, we've talked about Lisa and Marge already. They're nags. I identified with Bart for sure 100% cuz I was a cool kid and I was just yeah. like, "Hell yeah, that's me." Mm-hmm. Fuck Millhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I did a good Bart impression as a kid. That's oh, yeah? awesome. And Can it you was still like, do it? Uh, I don't think uh eat no. <laughs> eat eat my short. I, I had a party it. trick to curry favor. Yeah, no, I, a lot. No for reals, like mm-hmm. that was like a thing, but I was like in th- third or fourth grade and I did it really good so much so that at our camp I'd have to really remember what this was but my voice is technically very Kermity puppety voice any, like I know <laughs> I have yeah like I have that voice anyway <laughs> yeah. so I get that it probably was just a very easy turn like for me kid, you just yeah. had to say the words eat my shorts yeah, it's perfect eat, eat my shorts like oh it's Bart <laughs> um and so like I remember at our camp we even had like a Bart Simpson show that count they would have me interview counselors as Bart. Oh wow! Yeah, like I, I like that. that. But I never related to Bart because I had, couldn't skateboard, and also I just never felt like I could like speak up to anyone, <laughs> like as a teacher <laughs> or tell someone to uh, eat my shorts. I had a similar kind of party trick when I was in elementary school and middle school uh, because my voice was at a certain register that lent itself well to singing like Gwen Stefani from No Doubt. So like whenever, and granted that's not something as easily, you know, like something that you can pull out, like uh, doing a Bart Simpson impression, but whenever singing anything came into play, I'd be like, all right, let's sing spider (laughs) (laughs) Here she comes. Here she comes. We already know what Allie's fucking talent was. Oh my God. Um, Sorry. (laughs) I feel like though, you know, talking about like, that kind of jealousy of seeing your friend disappear when they enter a new relationship. I feel like that continues into adulthood pretty unfairly. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have any personal experiences like recently of having either somebody (laughs) guilt you or you feel, you know, like disconnected? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. Um, to the point where if I talked about it, it would call, uh, call for a falling out, (laughs) but it happens all the time. And it's not even just one person. It's, it is something that you see a lot. 
Um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't know if it happened more for, stereotypically more for women or men. Um, Can I explain what you're saying? You know, I don't know if you've seen this, because I do think maybe it is more of a female thing. It could be. Where basically... Your friend starts dating somebody and then they kind of just disappear. Oh, that happens all the time. Yeah. It yeah. Just, yeah. It happens. Yeah. I've, I've experienced it a lot where I, because I'm a serial monogamous. Sure. Um, and so I'll get into a relationship and, you know, devote my time to this relationship. And I've had friends over the years really, really guilt me for disappearing. Aww. And I know that it comes from like missing that bond and and it comes from love but it doesn't seem that kind or reasonable to guilt somebody for having something change i think that it's really just the the fear of change that is really racking through them in that moment the thing is is that if you're secure enough about your friendship you shouldn't be worried about if someone's spending slightly less time with you yeah i guess if someone like fully just but if they fully that's a weird just a weird thing Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and mo- at that point, it's more just like, oh, you're just becoming this person that I don't yeah. really like as much. Yeah. Right. Then it kind of sucks. That's different. Yeah, I mean, it, it be be reasonable yourself too. Like, don't make promises and then flake constantly because you want to be with your significant other. Right. You know, be responsible with that friendship. But I I've never understood the logic of I'm going to guilt this person so that they can hang out with me more. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, nah, I I don't think that th- I'm going to hang up my fresh new relationship <laughs> to spend enough. With someone who's bitter. Exactly. That doesn't even have sex with you. It's just like, I come know. on. What is not even the point? <laughs> not even finger. Um, so something I think is cool is that like Bart does try and kind of save the friendship. He doesn't quite give it up yet. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, let's like, you know, go to this thing. And Milhouse is just like, you know, Bart, there's a thing is spending too much time together. Mm-hmm. Like being completely oblivious to spending all of his time with Samantha. Right. Which I love. And mm-hmm. of course, Bart is a bad boy. Bart realizes that there is a clear way to end this. And so he um, says, like, it's time to say goodbye to your privacy. Or, like, yeah, Milhouse and Samantha sitting in a tree. Time to say goodbye to your privacy. And um, I love this dad character. It's totally what every other girl's dad was like that I knew. Like, just super, like, overbearing. And And intense. Yeah, like, Julia and I are part of Cool Dads Club. And so, like, we never had that really i mean is i was as cool as your dad though no yeah. <laughs> dad is like the coolest dad yeah, i'm very lucky I, and and well you know my little sister now mm-hmm. but yeah. he's gonna be a normal age dad to her so that's mm-hmm. that's very but still a cool dad. but still pretty cool mm-hmm. so i love we'll uh, compare notes later yeah i love what the dad says when he discovers them kissing he just goes samantha and she goes dad he goes no <laughs> like oh, i love a good it's great no, and i think isn't so there a good. bird yeah, yeah, like yeah. a bird takes off. They from do that the a lot. It's so beautiful. It's it's just so great. It's like adding that extra oomph of drama to oh. an otherwise, you know, banal scene. Now there's a Machiavellian countenance. Ooh, a sex titivale. Hello, Mr. Stanky. I have some shocking news about your daughter Samantha. Who am I? Let's just say I'm a concerned prude with a lot of time on his hands. I bet you had peanut butter for breakfast. (laughs) Yeah. Samantha. Dad! No! Samantha, you're my little girl, and sometimes my imagination runs away with me. Just just tell me what happened. Well, Melhouse and I... That's enough! I'm putting you in an all-girls school. You're never going to see that boy again. Is better to have loved and lost, yada, yada, yada. Let's go to the arcade. How could this happen? 
We started out like Romeo and Juliet, but it ended up in tragedy. Isn't your is your dad in a cover band? He is. He's in, he's <laughs> in two. He's in an eighties cover, cover band bands. called um, Night Rider. Right. They sometimes play as a different eighties cover band called Kitty Twister. Right. And oh then boy. he's in a nineties cover band called Nineties Two One Zero. Yeah, Unbelievable. that's great. And where do they play? They play at the Gas Lamp in Long Beach every Friday night. Um, go out right. and check it out. But they also play like big big parties like they played madonna's birthday party once and they Whoa. also were like the touring band with carlos mencia for a, like a couple you had me for a minute <laughs> yeah. like, that uh, band was uh. the coolest until two seconds ago my yeah. dad was not a fan of no. his so he was like it's fine it is funny that carlos mencia has a cover band follow him around because he's a so cover funny. comedian yeah <laughs> it was on brand it was it was within the theme yeah. uh yeah and then um I was going to say the closing sequence in this episode is great because we started off with a film reference with Raiders and we're ending with a film reference to Casablanca. Totally. So it's kind of nice as like a bookend to wrap it up. And then, uh, of course, we didn't even really touch upon, um, and we mentioned it in the synopsis, just how like funny and weird of a B story it is. Mm-hmm. Like, you definitely don't need it, but it's very funny. Just this idea of uh, they ran out of the one tape, so they give him the other. And we get this very, like, what's the funniest thing that we could have Homer do? And it's like, talk well. Yeah, be <laughs> yeah. smart. Be very articulate. <laughs> yeah. and, and also, like, not fully understanding the words that are coming out of his mouth. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like he's been a little Eliza Doolittled, and it's great to see. I relate to Homer so much when it comes to forgetting like very, very, very basic words. That's why I called um, Homer Bart's dad once because like I just couldn't. Sometimes I can't remember Mm -hmm. things. And at the end when he's back to being normal Homer, he's just like, um, what's the metal thing you dig into ice stuff? He's like, a spoon? (laughs) Ah, yes. Yes. And then he just like (laughs) gobbles up this pint of ice cream. That it's is great. me. I, I I like. I think on a couple episodes ago, I couldn't remember. I st- oh no, I still can't. So I'm gonna have to use the same thing. That thing that the Ninja Turtles come out of a the sewer? sewer. Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> Manhole cover. Also Manhole a weird cover. way to get to sewer, but <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, I support it. I like the way the place you where found ooze that. comes out of in uh, the second Ghostbusters. Um, sewer. The f- the oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I was gonna say faucet. And, oh yeah, or Teenage Mutant uh, or Turtles too. Yes. Also as ooze. You're right. This is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Are there any moments from this episode that you particularly love that we did not get to? No, I mean I love Recess in the Heart. Is my oh, it's so beautiful. There are a lot of great. Yeah, there are a lot of great poetic lines in this. Yeah. Yeah, the Romeo and Juliet stuff too, and yeah, Mrs. Krabappel has a lot of really fun moments in this, and spitting a lot of truths. And yeah, I really like this episode. And also, um, the what is our cover photo on our Twitter comes from this episode because the it's reha- Millhouse. The, yeah. the recess line is our background oh, for everything because it's yeah. just so beautiful. It's, the best. it's yeah, it's so painterly, and Millhouse is like you know it, it just feels like he's and the wind in his hair yeah. like it's beautiful like it's so dramatic and beautiful um so we like to ask you know which character do you relate the most to we all know um yeah. so i just want to know aside from millhouse what is your favorite character outside of the simpsons family um i mean professor frank might oh, be my favorite great. no one said that yet really no one said no. it i just think it's the most it's just it's it, again, I like seeing writers' room jokes on the screen, mm-hmm. and I just every time he comes up, there's literally no purpose. It just <laughs> happens, and he and he's just perfect, and he's a Jerry a Ju- Jerry Lewis joke kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's morphed, but at one time it's a Nutty Professor joke. Yeah, um, and it's just morphing. It's just like such a dumb, <laughs> repetitive joke, and I love yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's also been said. Uh, Hank Azaria 
said that it was one of his favorite characters to voice. Because I'm sure it sounds like a lot of fun to just get into that voice and it's to great. like, yeah, yeah sound great. really nebbish and <laughs> he, pathetic. Uh, Hank Azaria is a Mets fan, and I was a Mets fan. I still kind of am the day they clinched their playoff spot. But uh, I used to be like a diehard New York Mets fan. And Hank Azaria was sitting behind me at a game once, and he did a ton of voices oh for his God. friend during the game. Like he, did so the, he would do like sure the umpire like and like, for him it was and crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, is this really happening? <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, he did like the whole game. That's, that's amazing. Great. And yeah. also annoying. No, that's just great. No, it was just great. <laughs> no, it wasn't annoying at all. I mean, I could see how if he did it like corny and a lot, right. but it was like, he did it perfectly. No, he's that's an, amazing. He's an old pro. Yeah. So, um, what do you think you would say is like the lesson that you learned from this episode or the conversation that we had today with each other? Um, well, number one, <laughs> I think I know where this is going. Uh, number one, I mean, there's a lot of great pull quotes from you. <laughs> Don't get fingered young. Right. I mean, yeah. also, I like twinks. Uh, <laughs> is all good. Um, I, I also think twinks like. Twinks are good. Yeah. Uh, listening to you guys talk as women about liking men also made me both confused by it and also more anxious by it. Because like, I don't really understand how the female brain fully works in uh-huh. in relationships already. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now I'm just sort of like, oh, now I really don't know. <laughs> um, I realize you love George Wendt. Mm-hmm. Uh, most women do because he's the shy one. Uh, and that, those are my main takes. I my think that's wonderful. Yeah. And then where can people find any of the stuff that you're doing right yeah, now? Yeah, on Twitter, I'm JensenClan88. That's with a C because I'm not racist. But it's J-E-N-S-E-N-C-L-A-N-88. But then my website does have a K in it, so I can't explain that. But it's JensenCarp.com, J-E-N-S-E-N. K-A-R-P. Wonderful. And you have a book coming out or it's already out? It's already, already out. Yes. It's called Kanye West Owes Me $300. And then I have a TV show that comes out on TBS uh, in around March of next year. Called That's Drop amazing. the Mic, yeah. Oh, cool. It's super fun, yeah. That's it's me awesome. and James Corden. Uh, we're executive producing a show uh, where celebrities rap battle each other. That's awesome. going to be amazing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, thank you so much for being on. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. Allie, where can people find you? Oh, thank you so much for asking. <laughs> you could find me at Allie Gertz and all the things. And Julia, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Julia Prescott on all the things. And um, I just want to say thanks to everyone that has been supporting us on our Patreon. And also thanks to everyone that came out to Ellie Podfest Oh my last God, that weekend. was so much fun. Um, I, I believe there are still a couple weeks left where you can live stream it or watch watch the the recorded live stream um and i think you can still use our code everything to get uh five dollars off but um thanks for everybody reaching out about that and, and you can and see mine support. i did it too yeah yeah get up on this was live with rob pupil there so if you, Ooh, if rob you Pupil's amazing. Your, he is amazing so if you use your code you could watch ours too mm-hmm. it's true it was all great uh you could also watch doughboys tons of friends of the podcasts mm-hmm. were there yeah, and um, if you haven't checked it out already, please check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash SimpsonsPod. You know who recently donated to Tell me Patreon? who. Hector Escueda. Thank you, Hector. Um, I know that there were Hamish Steele also pledged. Um, Thank you, Hamish. Ryan Barker, Jeff Rathbun. I think we're getting into some people that we've mentioned on the show before, but thank you for your continued support. And if you haven't checked it out, um, please do. There are different tiers for your support that each have their own special prizes. Oh, yes. Really quick. We forgot Mark uh, Gilliland. Gilliland. Gilliland at Mark Party. I love Mark Gilliland. Mark Gilliland. (laughs) I want to go to a Mark party <laughs> me too uh, uh yeah so you can uh you know get uh special episodes that we record just for you and other things uh mixtape from the perspective of a simpsons character of your choice all that good stuff and uh continue to write us emails at everything's coming up podcast at gmail.com 
Did I leave anything else out, Allie? We just want to give a nice big shout out to our intern, Brandon, who does so much work on the podcast. He helped us so much at PodFest. Follow him at Hell Yes Brandon for everything that he is up to. And then aside from that, I would just say have a damn good rest of your drive. <laughs> don't don't get fingered young. Okay, bye. 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 <laughs>